Hello everyone, my name is Giselle and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus and I struggle with boundaries. I'm here today to, sh to share about boundaries and what they mean in my life. I grew up in a dysfunctional home with an alcoholic father. Boundaries did not exist in my family. We literally were taught only one boundary and that was do not tell anyone what is happening in our home. Not having boundaries led me to entering into multiple abusive situations in my personal life and at work, I allowed people to take credit for my ideas and for my work. I also did other people's work for them just because it needed to be done and they weren't doing it. It became the insanity of my life. I spent a good portion of my life screaming no on the inside and either saying yes or nothing on the outside. All of those behaviors led to a lot of pain and resentment, which led to anger. Thankfully, God had a plan. He put people in my life who invited me to grace and then to celebrate recovery. In Celebrate Recovery, I have learned a lot about boundaries. The first thing I learned was that I am allowed to have boundaries and that God actually intended for me to have them. I learned that boundaries equal guardrails and they keep me safe. I also learned that when I take on someone else's work, I just picked up a 50 pound backpack and put it on my back when it wasn't even mine. The image of a 50 pound backpack in addition to my own 50 pound backpack of responsibility spoke loudly to me. I now know my part, God's part, and someone else's part. I am only responsible for my part. I began taking accountability for what was mine and gave back what was not mine. I cleaned up my yard and I built a fence around it. And now I am clearly saying no when it is not my responsibility and holding others accountable to what belongs to them. Thank you for letting me share. Wasn't that great? That was the message. We're all going home now. And, uh, thank you, Giselle, for that. If we haven't met, I'm Dan Haffey. This is my beautiful wife, Rachel, behind me. I'm an elder here at the church and also the ministry leader for Celebrate Recovery. So if you don't know what Celebrate Recovery is, it is a Christ-centered 12-step recovery program that's designed for anyone with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Does anybody have hurts, habits, or hang-ups? Personally, I only have two, hundred. <laughs> so I've got a ways to go, but we'd love to have you join us. Check us out, seven o'clock on Thursday evenings down in the youth room, seven to nine. Just come take a peek. We'd love to have you. All right, we are going to talk about the boundaries today, but first I have to make a confession. It's good to confess, isn't it? You guys ready to hear my confession? I am smitten with a bit of jealousy this morning. Uh, I'm jealous because my daughter, Abby, who uh, is 17, got to go see Hamilton last night at the Kennedy Center. And you say, well, that's great. I was thrilled for her to get to go. She loves that, that the musical. She loves music. She sings like a bird. Um, but, you know, I was kind of into Hamilton, too. And that might surprise you a little bit. Uh, we had a vacation, and on all the way back from a vacation, we sang Hamilton the whole way back. So I really feel like I could do this. So if you don't mind, I'm going to drop a couple tunes on you here. I'm going to do like, uh, don't throw away your shot. You guys good with that one? You guys are just being nice. I know you are. Now you're supposed to say, Dan, we don't want to hear your lame version of Hamilton. Why don't you focus on boundaries? So you got to set a boundary. I'll set a boundary on myself. We'll get, we'll get back to it here. So actually, we are going to talk about boundaries, but let me expound a little bit on what boundaries are just to help us have it clear in our head. Boundaries are something that divide between two things, something that defines ownership. 
So physical boundaries, number one, are things like fences, walls, doors, and property lines. Those are physical boundaries. Another physical boundary is my skin. My skin separates me from you. We're not joined together because my skin doesn't touch your skin. So there's physical boundaries. There's relational boundaries. Relational boundaries are when I say yes, when I say no, when I say I won't let you do that to me, when I say stop, or when I say I won't do your work for you, you need to do your own work, or when I say I can't do that for you now, but I can do it tomorrow. Those are all relational boundaries. Anybody ever said those things? Because some of us have a hard time saying no. It's not a big word, is it? It's a hard one to say. And we're going to talk more about what happens when we don't say no. So those are relational boundaries. I believe God wants us to set clear relational boundaries in our intimate relationships with each other. Internal boundaries. Internal boundaries are personal commitments we make with inside ourselves. There's a beautiful example in Job. Job 31.1. Job says, I made a covenant with my eyes to not look lustfully on a young woman. So that's something he did inside himself. That wasn't something he said to anyone but himself. Uh, I think Pastor R mentioned Billy Graham's commitment to not be in any place with someone that wasn't his wife. Those are internal commitments, those internal boundaries. So the three kinds of boundaries are what? Physical, relational, and internal. So I want you to be thinking about that because we all struggle with one or even all three of those boundaries. All right, let's talk about the law of responsibility. What is the law of responsibility? The law of responsibility is about how to responsibly love each other. It is about learning that we are responsible to each other, but not for each other. So we must help each other with the overwhelming burdens of life, but ultimately each person must be responsible for their own daily responsibilities. So let's look at Galatians 5, 13 to 15, and I'm going to talk about freedom, responsibility, in the law of love. Sounds like a book title, doesn't it? Galatians 5, 13 to 15 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by the other. So here Paul is addressing an issue in the church in Galatia about those inside the church who were trying to get the believers there to go back under the law to keep their flesh under control. But Paul's saying, no, you've got freedom. Jesus created freedom by his sacrifice on the cross. So don't go back to it, but rather than indulge your flesh or go back to the slavery of the law, he says, serve each other humbly in love. That's what our freedom is for. So our freedom from the law becomes the responsibility to serve each other. So I am responsible to serve you humbly in love. That's what Paul's telling us here. See, Jesus left us with one law, the law of love. Verse 14 says, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. So think about that with me. All the laws of the Old Testament, the Mosaic Law in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, if you've ever gone to those books, there's a lot of laws in there. But when Christ came and sacrificed himself on the cross, they went poof gone forever. He bought our freedom. We are free from all those laws. But with that freedom comes one last law, the only law that we are to obey, and that is the law of love. 
That's the only one he has left for us. At the Last Supper, Jesus said, John 13, 34, A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. So all those extensive laws of the Old Testament were reduced down to this one law. We fulfill the law of Christ when we obey the law of love. Now, why am I talking about this? What's the relationship between the law of love and the law of responsibility? See, the law of love overarches and completely consumes all the boundary laws. Why? Because without love, our boundary setting is going to be about retaliation, defensiveness, anger, and isolation because it's not motivated by law. The law of love is essential in boundaries. Without love, we will just create a noisy, hot mess because we're not motivated by love for the other person. And we've all seen that, haven't we? We must be careful with how we set boundaries. It must come from an attitude and a heart of love as we obey the law of love. So love must be our motivation as we define and set clear boundaries for ourselves and others. So if I love you, I will respect your boundaries. If you say no, I'm going to say okay. And I am also going to tell you what my boundaries are clearly. I'm not going to make you guess. If I love you, I'm going to say I won't do this, but I'll do this. And if I love you, you tell me I can't do that, I won't do that. That's the law of love in action. So if I love someone, I will not step in and prevent them from experiencing the full consequences of their choices so that they may learn and grow. Isn't that how we learn and grow? How many of you learn more from your mistakes than you ever have from your successes? Thank you. I'm, I'm right there with you. And we need those consequences to find out, ooh, that doesn't work, or, or that hurts. I don't want to do that anymore. Contrast that with the attitude that says, well, they got what they were, had coming to them. Or what goes around comes around. That is not motivated by a law of love, is it? That's saying vengeance. They had it coming to them. Let them have it. If I love someone, I will speak truthfully to them in a loving way. Is that true? As someone close to me likes to say, I love you too much to not tell you the truth. I love you too much to not tell you the truth. Now, how many of you like hearing the truth? I mean, how many wake up in the morning and say, hit me with some truth, man. Tell me everything that's, I'm messing up. I want to hear it. What's wrong with you? None of us do that. But the problem of it is, it's still true, even if they don't tell me. And if they don't tell me the truth about something in our relationship, I can't change it. Is it true that I'm not responsible for what I'm not told? I can't change anything if you don't tell me I'm messing up or I'm offending you in some way. So we need to speak the truth, but most of the time we don't want to hear it. And that's why it's so critical that love balances out that truth. So without the law of love, first and primary, trying to set healthy boundaries will be a nightmare. Some of you have experienced that. Love is critical. Love is essential. So I was turning the page. Galatians 6, 2 to 5 says this. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they are deceiving themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Now it might look like those two things are contradicting each other. But let's start with what a burden is. A burden in this case is, is rendered something that's a huge, overwhelming, crushing boulder. 
some life event that's just catastrophic, extreme, beyond our normal daily lives, something like a painful divorce, something like an illness, the loss of a loved one, uh, things that happen with our health or our jobs, or, or Hurricane Florence coming through. These are boulders. These are crushing. None of us can handle those on our own. So that's what a boulder is. It's a, a burden that we need to be able to help with. So this is a responsible love when we go and help that person by putting a hand up under that boulder. You can see a lot of people can lighten the load for that individual, can't they? That's what this verse is saying, to carry each other's boulders. Don't let them just be squashed by that and crushed by it. Come alongside and put a hand under and make the load lighter for them. I can think of numerous times in the life of this church since Rachel and I have been here where this church body has stepped up and put a hand under the crushing load and burden of someone who's experienced an extreme tragedy. That's what we're supposed to do. Help them with their, their burdens and with the loads. How about a load? Verse 5 says, we are to each to carry our own load. So what does that mean? I'm supposed to carry your burdens, but I got to carry what? My own load. Think of load here as representing a backpack. A lot of you carry backpacks around. And in my backpack, I would have like my toothbrush, probably some medication, deodorant, you're welcome. I would have my laptop, I'd have other things just that I need on a daily basis. That's all I would have with me, and it would be something I carry with me all the time. It'd be, it'd look a lot like this one. Where'd it go? There it is. So this is Abby's. I think she's got bricks in it. But it's a, that would be a backpack, and that would be a normal daily responsibility. It's like paying my bills. That's my responsibility. Mowing my lawn. That's our responsibility. Taking care of our daily responsibilities. But the problem is... We have some people in our life who ask you to carry their backpack for you, and you do. Some of you are carrying around three or four backpacks that don't belong to you. No wonder you're stressed out of your mind. No wonder you're depressed. No wonder you can't function because you have taken on things that don't belong to you, and God is not asking us to carry someone else's backpack. He says everyone is to carry their own backpack. So I would suggest you ask God and get help any way you need to so you can offload those backpacks that don't belong to you. Give them back. Because sometimes people will come to us and say, this is a burden, it's killing me. And I look at it and it's a backpack. Carry your own backpack. I'm carrying mine, you carry yours. I'm not going to take that for you. But I know some of us, and Giselle illustrated this beautifully, grow up in families where there are no boundaries. And we take on all kinds of things that don't belong to us. And God's asking us, if we're going to be healthy, we're going to give them back and say, I'm not doing that anymore. That doesn't belong to me. You need to carry your own backpack. So we need wisdom from God on that. We need to get help any way we can. That's one of the things we talk a lot about in Celebrate Recovery. One of the things we work on recovering from is codependency. And that's saying, I'm going to let others be responsible for their behavior. I'm not going to enable them to continue bad behavior at my expense. Because a lot of us do that sometimes. And we do it out of love. We think we're being lovey, but I'm here to tell you that the way to love someone is let them experience the results and consequences of their own behavior so they can learn. If I protect them from that, they'll never get it, will they? They'll just say, hey, thanks for carrying my backpack. I'm loose and free. That's great. Thanks. And they will never learn to adult. This is about adulting, growing up and carrying your own backpack. 
Now, Rachel's going to come and talk further in depth about what boundaries are and who we are responsible to and who are we are responsible for. Uh, the authors, Christian authors of uh, the Boundaries text, which is a classic which has been around for a long time, have uh, kind of used this construct of two and four to help us figure out like what, what, what we're responsible for and who we're responsible for and what we're not. And so um, I, I like the construct, and so I thought we would use it to sort of help us decide who we're responsible for. Have you ever been in a work situation? <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at Chris. Or uh, a family situation, and someone comes up to you, and they start criticizing someone or complaining, and they're talking about their offense, or maybe they have work that they don't feel like doing, and then they hand it to you and ask you, you go confront this person. You do this work that doesn't belong to you. How does that make you feel inside? What does your gut kind of do when someone tries to get you to do their job for them? Don't you feel kind of icky and like, Always f feel free to buy time by saying, I need to think about that. Try not to give in to the boundary-busting pusher to do the thing that they want you to do for them. Um, so always buy time because God calls us to not carry other people's backpacks, but he does cost, call us to carry our own, and he calls us to be responsible for ourselves. Um, one, one way that helps me define who or what I'm responsible for is to, is to have a solid identity in Christ. Good boundaries flow out of a good identity. We know our responsibilities when we know who we are. For example, one of my identities is as a mom and, I, and, and as a wife. And Dan and I have successfully launched two sons and we're in the process of launching our daughter. And I, my identity as a mom is that I am a steward of an incredible treasure God has given us. And it's my job, excuse me, <laughs> to release my children to him and to support them in prayer and to speak the truth and love to them and, and instruct them. But it's not my job to hold on to them or take credit for them. It is my job to release them. So you see how one thing that helps us know who we're what we're responsible for is to know who we are. I love the second song we sang, I'm a child of God. And when you know you're a child of God, you know you have the authority in the name of Jesus to pull down strongholds, to, to have victory. You know you have, he has adopted us. So you know that you are able, as his child, in his strength, in the strength of the Spirit, to do things I, I could never do. So that, those two things help me define what I'm and who I'm responsible for. Another, um, Dan talked about Galatians 6, 2, and 5, so, so I won't rehash that, but we are responsible uh, for ourselves, for our backpack. 
Another thing we're responsible for is, um, excuse me a second, because I printed this out with way too small a print. Um, we are responsible, I'll just talk to you. <laughs> Can you tell it's the first time I've done this? One thing, one thing that helps me define and remember what I'm responsible for is to think about the judgment seat of Christ. Believe it or not, it can be a little bit, it's very perspective building for me. And so I take the passage seriously, I see if I can find it, that says, don't be um, fooled, in the last days we will stand before Christ and give an account to him for our life. So a lot of times when I'm struggling with, is this mine, is this not, should I do it, should I not, I think about what Christ would say to me when I'm standing before him, and he's not going to say to me, why did your sister lie? Why did your husband do this? Why did your friend do that? Why did your son do that? He's going to ask me why I chose to do what I did. So we are responsible for ourselves, our choices, what we do with our thoughts. Sometimes thoughts flip through our brain we can't control, but we can control how we respond to those thoughts right? We're responsible for our speech. We're responsible for our attitudes. Sometimes we can say the right thing with the wrong attitude. And we're responsible for our sin. We're responsible for everything inside our skin. That's, that's kind of how I look at it. And we're responsible for our response to other people, even if they're provoking us. We're still responsible for our response. So when I stand before the judgment seat, God's not going to say, why did that person provoke you? He's going to say, why did you respond that way, even though they provoked you? Now, the one exception to that is children. The Bible does say, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. So the, the I'm responsible for everything in my skin and not responsible for anything in your skin is adult to adult. We are responsible for our children, even for their behavior sometimes. Every uh, parent of young children can attest to this. So remember that. Also, one thing that helps me when I think about who am I responsible for is to ask God to help me see myself and others through his eyes. Because if I see you through his eyes, even if you're making me mad, I'm going to love you because he loves you. And if I see me through my eyes, even if I'm listening to those thoughts that say, you're a, you're stupid, blah, 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 you know, wah, wah, wah. I'm going to say no to those thoughts because my father wouldn't talk that way to me, my father in heaven. And so, again, remember, you're, you're the, one of the ways to help know who am I responsible for and how to define all that is to know who you are in Christ. One other um, uh, thing we're responsible for before I go into responsible too is we're responsible, according to the Bible, to develop our talents and to, um, to heartily work as unto the Lord's. I think that's Colossians 3.13. And I want to speak out, you know, kind of a shout out to the youth here. Some of my best examples of good boundaries for themselves are the youth. Um, I know Abby doesn't like it when I brag on her, but I did ask her permission. <laughs> and 
whenever someone compliments me because she's singing well or because she's working at the science lab at NCI already, I always say to them, Abby lives at that intersection of hard work and God's talents, and she's an example to me. And so you youth out there, don't think uh, you're not an example to, to us older people, and we hope we're an example to you as well. We're also responsible to others. Just because we're kind of only responsible for everything inside of our skin doesn't mean we're not responsible to others. Remember what I talked about, our attitude? Dan talked about responsibly loving and the law of love overarches everything. So, and, and I'm going to go some, through some things Scripture talks about we're responsible to. But as I go through these, please don't feel overwhelmed and feel like we're giving you three more backpacks piling on your back. Remember, we have our whole life, our whole life to learn to obey God, to learn to love God, to learn to know him. So I was, would suggest, as you listen to this, if you're feeling a little overwhelmed, step back and remember, all I have to do is read one verse a day I, we have a very faithful friend who sends a devotional. And it's, you, could, you could get a de devotional. It just start small. Just be in the Word every day because the Word is, is the Holy Spirit. It's the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And ask Him to help you just learn one thing today and put it into practice. Lord, transform me through what you're teaching me. So... Um, let me look at my notes. <laughs> so, because boundaries define, air, because responsibility flows from my identity, I'm sorry, I have these backwards. Get to the right spot. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the things we're responsible for. As Dan said in Galatians 6.2, we're responsible for bearing up under crushing burdens. And in Ephesians 4.32, God tells us we're responsible to be compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as Christ and Jesus forgave you. Again, Colossians 3.13 tells us to forgive one another, bear with each other, and forgive one another. And if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. In Hebrews 3.13, we are responsible to encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Ephesians 3.13 through the end of the chapter, 14 through 21, is, is a way I like to encourage the ladies in my uh, discipleship group. I just love how God's heart for, the, for us is that through the power of the Spirit, we may know how high and deep and, and wide and broad the love of the Father is for us. And that's one thing I like to use to encourage my ladies, and I encourage myself with that verse. We are also responsible to confess our sins to each other in James 5.16 and pray for each other so that we may be healed. 
The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And again, as Dan will teach in Ephesians 4.16, we're responsible to speak the truth in love. In Proverbs 11.13, that warns us that we are responsible to keep confidence and not tell other people's stories for them. That's why two of our uh, guidelines, which we like to refer to them as guardrails in our small groups, is confidentiality and use I statements. It's not that we want you to start every sentence with an I, it's that we want you to tell your story from your heart seeking change for yourself and not get distracted by telling someone else's story which may be disrespectful to them. Um, I have, our cul-de-sac has gone through a lot of grief the past two years. My one neighbor's husband died suddenly, and my other neighbor's husband died slowly of cancer. And she's right next to me, and every time I mowed, I really wanted to mow her yard for her. But I would see her out, actually I would see Fred out there instructing her how to mow and how to weed whack, and I would see her out there learning these new skills and wanting to do them. And so I made sure I texted her and asked her permission before I did anything for her, other than bringing food over. <laughs> and I think she really respected that. I respected that, because sometimes she said, yes, that would be really helpful, and sometimes she said no. So when we're being responsible for, to others, let's be respectful with that. Uh, one last thing we are, one last thing I'm gonna bring up, there's a lot more in the Bible that we are responsible to is to warn one another. In Ezekiel 33, one through seven, God gave Ezekiel the vision of a watchman walking on a wall around a fortified city and a huge army approaching. And he said to Ezekiel, if the watchman sounds the warning and the people in the city ignore him, their blood is not on his hands. He's innocent. But if he fails to warn the people, and they're overtaken, and they die, their blood is on his hands. Can you imagine if the Weather Channel saw Hurricane Florence spinning out there all these days approaching? They knew all the destruction that was going to happen, and they didn't warn anybody? So that's a hurricane. What about hell? So try, uh, ask God to, to fill you with his love for your neighbors and with the courage to warn them about the, their impending catastrophe. And then we have done one of the things we're responsible to. One thing I want to ask, I guess, before I go is that you uh, take take this, th these instructions one piece at a time. And if you are someone who tends to pick up lots of backpacks, or you live with someone who crashes through any limits or boundaries that you set, please don't take this as more backpacks to put on, but ask for help, ask someone who's older for you, to pray with you, to work with you, perhaps to disciple you. And just know that God wants you to know him and his love 
He wants you to experience victory one step at a time. So now Dan's going to talk about speaking the truth in love. Well, if you haven't noticed, as one of my friends commented, I married up. Last thing I want to talk about that applies to the law of responsibility is how we are to speak to each other. So now we're in Ephesians 4.15, and it says there, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So what does that mean to speak the truth in love? First, let's start with what is truth? Anybody got any ideas? You have no idea. Well, there's two kinds of truth. There's capital T truth. Capital T truth comes from one source, and that's God. He knows everything perfectly. He knows there's, there's nothing he doesn't know. So only capital T truth can come from God. The rest of us, we're kind of stuck with the small T truth. But that's still very valuable, though. But remember, my perception is the only thing I have. And what kind of things will be a part of my perception? How about my background? How about my uh, gender? How about my experiences, my personality, my temperament? So my perception is shaped and formed by all those things. So my perception, by definition, has some distortion in it. Is that true? So when I, that's why I own my perception. So when I say something, doesn't what I'm going to say. My perception is, and what I mean by that is, I am open to my perception changing as I get truth in as I learn what is true. So, but the capital T truth is all we have, and one of the truths we have is how we feel. Is that true? God gave us feelings. Did you know that? That's the difference between me and my dog. My dog's like, <laughs> she's just one big four-legged bundle of instincts. And now she may have some feelings if she doesn't get the bone she's looking for, but she doesn't feel like we do. We are special creatures, and God has given us these emotions, and these emotions are very important. So I'm in an intimate relationship like a marriage, and something happens, and I have feelings about it. I have a responsibility to speak that truth, even though it's small-t truth, to my wife or to my friends. That is what we're responsible to do. Only God has capital-t truth, but I must speak small-t truth. So speaking the truth requires a face-to-face -face encounter. Please don't do this on text or email. Some of you look a little guilty. I'm, I'm here to tell you, as a professional counselor, I have had couples in my office who have spent three days arguing over text. And they have not sat down and looked at each other in the eye. And I'm calling for a timeout about then. One of these days, I'm just going to say, give me the phones. Just, just give, give me the phone. That is not how we do this. We sit down as brothers or sisters and we look at each other and we speak the truth eye to eye. Don't do it over email or text. But the word confrontation, by the way, how many of you just broke out in hives when I said confrontation? And said, confrontation? I can't confront anybody. I don't, I, I, because some of us grew up in households where confrontation was either 24 seven and usually involved screaming and throwing things. Anybody there? Or there's other families where there was never a confrontation. That was just the worst possible thing that could happen. Anybody would actually talk to each other and, and speak truth to each other. That just was like totally off limits and out of bounds and everything in between. So unfortunately, the idea of confrontation has gotten a very bad reputation. But I'm here to tell you that confrontation is just another word for truth-telling. It's just another word for being honest. 
But understand, you have to have the balance of love and truth for this not to be destructive. The only way it's not going to be destructive if I balance love and truth. And God always balances everything perfectly, doesn't he? When he speaks to me, he gives it to me straight truth, but with perfect love. And, but one of us, we tend to lean to one side or the other. How many of you tend to be truth tellers? It's the truth. And sometimes you can just be harsh. You can really be a jerk because you're not saying it in a loving manner. The love's missing. There's truth there. It might be true, but it's hurtful and it's condemning because it's not balanced with a clear understanding that I'm telling you this because I love you. And we all know the difference, don't we? If someone comes to me who I don't have a relationship and wants to straighten me out, I can just hear the doors closing, the lights going out. and I, I can't hear it because I don't know that it's coming out of a heart of love, someone who's obeying the law of love and coming to me so that I will change and be a better person, be a better Christian, a better follower of Christ. Now, some of the rest of us are so loving and sweet and caring that we forget to tell the truth. So if somebody hurts me and I tend to be on that side, I might go, well, you know, I just want something. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it too much. It's not, you know, it's just a little something that, you know, I'd really like you to stop kicking me in the teeth. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That person is not going to get the idea that I've got a serious problem with you kicking me in the teeth all the time. No, that's, there's too much love and not enough truth. So can you see the need for balance there? And before you go into a confrontation, a truth-telling session, make sure that you check your heart at the door and make sure you've got those two things in balance. The law of love should preempt any of our boundary issues. I'm doing this because I love you, and I want to have a relationship with you, because if I don't tell you, just tripped over the backpack. Jeez. But if I don't tell you, then I'm going to create resentment inside myself toward you. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to mess our relationship up. So I'm responsible to come to you and say, here's how I feel. You may not have known it, but when you did that, that really hurt my feelings. And I want to reconcile with you. I want to straighten this out. So I'm going to speak the truth in love to you. That's something we're responsible to do. We need both truth and love to change. Is that true? So listen to this, and keep this in your heart, guys. We change as the truth thinks in, sinks into our souls wrapped in love and grace. We change as the truth sinks into our soul wrapped in love and grace. That's the intersection. That's how God changes us. He tells us the truth, and we know he loves us. Practice that in your relationships. All right, in conclusion, and I really mean it this time, we're concluding. So let's review the main points today's lesson on the second law of boundaries. The main points are we are to practice responsible love as we set boundaries. That's what the law is about. We need to know who we're responsible to and who we are responsible for. We need to be walking in the spirit, discerning what is a burden, that is a crushing boulder, and what is someone's backpack, as well as balancing the truth and love as we speak into the other's lives. So I'm going to invite the praise band back up, and they're going to be singing a song that's going to invite you to come down and have someone pray with you. So we'll have people here for you to pray with. And if God is talking to you about a situation where you're carrying too many backpacks or you need to speak the truth and love to somebody but you're scared silly, we'd love to pray with you. And if you're really struggling with boundary issues, I'd invite you to celebrate recovery. We talk about that all the time. It, just like Giselle did, it changed her life when she realized that she could set boundaries with people. And we need to know that because that's what God wants to be, us to be, truth-tellers who set healthy boundaries with each other. 
So if you need prayer, please come down front and we'll be happy to pray with you.